Where do we even start? A conversation about fashion, starting a career, and being a 20-something with hosts Alex, Chloe, and Erica. Welcome back to Where Do We Even Start? Today we're doing an episode on being your own boss and running your own business. So we're going to start off with today's this or that. It's this or that. And it is Chuck Bass or Nate Archibald. Nate Archibald. (laughs) Nate Archibald. I'm sorry. Agreed. I don't know who would say Chuck Bass. Like, I don't really understand how you would pick Chuck Bass over Nate Archibald. Okay, Chuck has a glow up as the seasons go on, but... Yes, I mean, like, the the whole, like, Chuck Bass fighting to, like, be in Blair's life and everything is, like, all... Should we say spoiler alert? If someone, I don't know, has everyone seen Gossip Girl? I don't know. At this point, I think everyone... Because I didn't watch it until this year, so... Okay, well, if you haven't seen the Gossip Girl, spoiler alert, Chuck fighting for Blair's love throughout the seasons is, like, very cute and, like... Made me cry a lot. Made me, yeah, Um, made me cry, too. But, like, Nate... Nate Archibald. Has been solid the whole way through. The whole time. Yeah. Okay, so where I wanted to start this conversation with you guys, because you both run your own businesses and work for yourselves in some capacity, I kind of wanted both of you to do like a little summary of what you do and how you started. Oh, fun. Okay. You guys know who I am. I'm Chloe, and um, I run my business called Chloe Knowles Designs, and I do alterations, tailoring, and custom design work. I've owned and run the business since I was 17 years old, and I run it out of my home, and I do things all the way from wedding dresses and prom dresses and bridesmaids dresses, all the way to custom costume work and custom design and that type of thing. So I, in high school, when I started the business, I was really into sewing and fashion, and I was also really into costume design as well. So through my school theater program, I did all of the costumes, and I did all of the organizing of the costumes for the program. And so from there on out, I have been hired to come back and make custom costumes for the shows that they are doing. And so that was a relationship that I was able to continue on after high school into university as my skill set and development continued. I was able to help them and create costumes and that type of thing. And for the alterations and tailoring and stuff, I come from a super small town in BC and I knew a lot of people in town. I was feeling a need that people had for cost-effective 
alterations and tailoring and for students who were needing prom dresses and bridesmaids dresses altered at a slightly less expensive price since I was a student in high school and now in university. I started my business completely on accident. Um, It started back in April, I believe, of this year. And I just had a friend who asked me to make some face masks for her mom's business uh, just as a volunteer opportunity. So I did that. And then my mom was like, oh, you should make them for me because I need them to go to the store. I just kind of started spiraling where it was like more and more people that I knew were asking for them. And I was like, oh, well, I can't just afford to keep doing this like out of the goodness of my heart for people and just like making them and giving them to people. So I made a post, posted on my Instagram, on my personal and my design account, and just started selling masks. And it kind of went from there. So yeah. I think that story is very common of how people accidentally start things and become businesses. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Do you have any stories or examples of the most challenging part you've come to find? Whether it be uh, like staying on top of your work and like the self-discipline or anything like that. I don't know. Growing up and deciding that I wanted to go into the fashion industry and when I started my business in tailoring, altering, and design, people, I got a lot of people who would give me looks and, you know, patronizing, oh, good job, like, good luck with that type of thing and give gave me the impression that I was never going to be able to survive and make myself a steady income on the jobs that I had. And so I really struggle with saying no to job opportunities, which is something (laughs) Erica and Alex are both kind of nodding their heads. (laughs) I, I take on so many things and then I work myself so hard that I am not able to either take care of myself enough or I'm not able to do my best work on like work to the best of my abilities on what I'm doing. And so I think it's a negative thing that comes from a positive thing almost, if that makes sense. Like I have so much job opportunity now that I feel bad not taking it all, but you, you have to pace yourself and you have to learn when you're at capacity and when enough is enough. And I'm still learning that after three years especially when it's yourself managing your workload rather than a higher up like a boss and more of a traditional job I feel like that boundary gets pushed a lot (laughs) definitely yeah that's kind of what I was gonna say like so many people want to be their own boss but like being your own boss kind of sucks more than it is like a positive when you really think about it because When you're like, oh, should I take the weekend off? The only person that you are responsible to is yourself. So if you somehow convince yourself that, no, I should work this weekend because I have a lot to do, then you're going to work. There's no one else telling you, like, in the business that it's like, no, the weekend is your time to take yourself. And, like, there's no one at the end of the day at 5 p.m. kicking you out of the office because the workday's done. Like, it's, you just have to keep working. There's not really. The work follows you 
everywhere as well. If you have your computer with you or if you Mm -hmm. work from home or whatever, there's always emails to be answered. There's always phone calls to return. There's always something that could be done that, oh, I could, you know, watch a movie or I could go out or I could go for a walk or something. But there is this other thing waiting for me at work still that I should do too. So It's so easy to just keep working when you're already in the mindset. And to contrast that last question, is there a most rewarding part that you guys can think of? Um, Like what you like the best about it? Oh, yeah. My favorite part is when I get like thank you emails from people. Um... So they've received the product or something and they just send me an email and they're like, thank you so much, like I love it or whatever. Or they tell me that they've recommended me to a friend or something. I think that is really rewarding and just knowing that what you're doing, like people are appreciating. Sweet. I think it's when I am a people person and I really enjoy working with people and talking and having conversations and stuff. And so being able to meet with people and chat with them while I'm working on doing a fitting or something like that is super rewarding and I really enjoy it. And I think my absolute favorite part is during prom season or during the summer, during wedding season, when bridesmaids or brides or um, high schoolers who are going to their prom, they come in for their final fitting before they leave and they get to try on the dress and it fits perfectly and they're super confident and they love it. And it's just one of those things that when they smile and when they try that dress on and it's everything they wanted it to be, it makes my day. That human interaction is such a good point to bring up because I think that's a common misconception or something people might forget about being your own boss is that it's a lot of long hours working alone independently, right? Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. And spending every day alone with your own thoughts can be really awesome sometimes when you need to think things through or when it's been a really tough week and you don't have anybody that's trying to talk to you or something. But it can also be really detrimental, um, especially for overthinkers who will read into every small little situation. It can get really difficult. Okay, moving forward. I wanted to ask you guys how this work you're doing now is working towards your future career goals. Is something like this, what is it doing to prepare you for that? Is this position kind of what you would like to be your full time um I mean in the future I would love to have my own business and be my own boss definitely not doing the same thing that I'm doing right now but yeah I think for me to an extent I will I would like to continue with this especially with the private contracting out for design and stuff. After university, I would really like to go into the costume industry, whether that's in film and TV or live theater. And so doing that is 
uh, step towards the direction of building my portfolio and learning how to work with a client and work with a director and how to create somebody's vision without them knowing 100% what they might want. I also think that it's a learning process to learn what you want in your life and what you don't want in your life. And I think that being your own boss and starting your own business is, that is everything. It's Mm -hmm. all about trial and error and you are the person making those calls at the end of the day. Sometimes that's really great and sometimes it's not so much fun. And so I think being a private contractor in the future would be really great because I would be able to make my own decisions on certain things, but in the end, I would be able to defer some of those other decisions to either a director or somebody that, a liaison that I'm speaking with through the, um, through a group or a program or a company or something. So I think that one of the biggest parts about me having a business right now is building up a positive reputation around my name and around my skills so that in the future if I do want to start up my own business and something completely unrelated people already have positive things like that they can connect with my name or they can connect with my skills. And I think that's a really great thing that we might want to talk about as well is what it's like running a business in a small town versus in a larger city because currently Erica and I are both at home. I'm in the hometown where I grew up and Erica is as well. And this is the town that I started my business in. This is the town that I know a lot of people and my family knows a lot of people. We're very connected and it word travels really fast, whether that's in a positive way or a negative way. I haven't had experience in the negative way, which thank goodness. And I'm Mm -hmm. proud to say that it hasn't, but I could imagine that we have different problems working in a large city versus a small one starting a business. Yeah. I find that there's a lot, especially right now with COVID and how many people are making face masks there's so much competition like and like almost everyone that I know in the city that sews is making masks so it really is a lot about your personal relationship with others and how they know you and if they trust you um and it's a lot more of like family and friends and like friends of family and stuff like that it's always through a connection and never really like random people that I've never met I normally know them somehow um and I think that's one of the biggest struggles of being in the city is just the sheer volume of like clothing and goods is so much higher than I guess it might be in a small town for me um I think there might be there's probably plenty of little places that are selling them at farmers markets or online and stuff, but I have my name out there pretty well. And it's very well known that I am sewing masks currently and that I do alterations and tailoring. And for for masks, it's a lot of 
people that I might not even know, but they know me from around town or from the newspaper or that type of thing. But for tailoring and alterations, I am one of two alterations businesses in this town. And so there is a lot more business that comes along with that, which Mm -hmm. is incredible and great. Um, But then I jump back to there can sometimes be so much business that it's very overwhelming Mm -hmm. and it's hard to say no and it's hard to keep on track and remember everything and keep good client relationships and all that type of thing. Question for you, Chloe. Compared to past summers, has the alterations business kind of slowed down a little bit because of the current social situations? Or how has it changed too? Yeah. Yeah. So that's actually really interesting because I, going into the summer, I had a preconceived notion that work was going to be less so and that people weren't going to be interested in having clothes altered more and more. And it's actually proven to be completely the opposite. I have been noticing that people, since they're less likely to go out and buy new things right now because a lot of the stores have been closed or they don't feel comfortable going out to a store to purchase things, maybe they're not as used to purchasing online or they're not sure what their sizes are, they're way more likely to come to a local person that they trust to have something taken in or taken out or change the design of it or something versus um, risking their health and safety to go purchase something or stepping out of their comfort zone and buying online. Hmm. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unexpected. And I kind of, that's the same way with the alterations. And I was expecting prom season to be very quiet just because tons of proms and everything have been canceled. I would imagine Mm -hmm. most of them, but it's been really incredible. Girls, we've been following all the CDC protocols and making sure that everything is sanitized and work safe. BC guidelines are being followed and I've been able to do alterations for prom dresses and girls are getting photo shoots done and making it a special event still which I think is incredible and mm-hmm. I'm really lucky to be a part of that and to help create that special event for them, even though the world is so different and things have changed so much. And mm-hmm. We kind of touched on it gently throughout that question, but I kind of wanted to bring up what doing this has taught you. Maybe starting out with... Um, like tangible skills and then we'll move into like personality networking kind of skills so like but because you both do primarily like manual labor hands-on sewing work um what have you learned through this process specifically I like to say that 70% of the work that I do is not the actual product or the service that I'm providing A lot of it is writing invoices, answering emails, doing client meetings, contacting people, listening to voicemails, that type of thing. So I think it's taught me a lot about a lot about bookkeeping and good business practices in the form of like 
keeping invoices and making sure that you keep emails and you have good contact relationships. I think that for me, the biggest thing that I've learned is uh, how important costing is. Because we learn about it in school, we practice it in school, but at the end of the day, it doesn't really like sink in about how important it is to do costing until it's your paycheck and it's your money that you're spending on the materials. Because I was kind of shocked by it when I did the costing for everything, because I was like, oh, like everyone's selling them for this much. Like, that's so expensive. Like, why is it so much money? But then I did all of the numbers and I figured out how paying myself a good amount of money for the hours that I'm working. And I was like, no, like this is like, this is the bare minimum that you can charge. And it was very eye-opening and it makes you understand pricing a lot more when you're seeing it from the inside view of a person running a business. And I think being a small business owner makes you so much more conscious in general. And Alex, I think you can speak to this too with being a private contractor and doing um, piece and hourly work is that you have so much more respect for the value of items and you have Mm -hmm. so much more respect for other small businesses and the work and behind the scenes effort that's put into it. And as a small business owner myself, I know for a fact that I'm way more willing to go to a local small business knowing that I'm helping put food on their table or Mm -hmm. put gas in their car for that week. Yeah, that's a good point to bring up because, yeah, I do relate to that. Um, you understand why things cost the, the how much they do and mm-hmm. the value behind it because you know how hard you work in that way mm-hmm. and understand that other people are like that too outside of um, like sewn soft goods, like your local cafe or hairdresser and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all local businesses. A lot of times, like a one-man show, one man or woman show behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and having appreciation for not only what you see going in as a consumer, but knowing that like there's long nights and long days put into mm-hmm. making sure that their staff are being taken care of and that they're safe and mm-hmm. training and learning new systems and being a good business owner and taking care of their community and all that. Mm -hmm. I think there's definitely a difference though between being your own boss and running the company and when you guys are being your own boss and you're also your own employees. Yes. Running the whole show. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's definitely, it's way different when you're, I obviously can't speak to this because I don't have employees, um, but yes, I would imagine. You are your employee. <laughs> I would imagine that um, it's super different when you're delegating work to other people versus when everything sits on your shoulders at the end of the day, which is a scary thought to have, especially as a small business owner where margins are small and you're trying to figure out and get by and especially as a student when life is so busy and classes and meetings and all that type of thing 
there's so much going on. <laughs> so when you when you lay your head down on that pillow at night, there's a lot to think about. I love listening to podcasts and reading books and all that kind of stuff. Um, watching videos about um, like business advice and stuff like that. So I was wondering if you haven't received it from a person in your life, maybe it's from a book or a podcast or something. What is some of the best advice you guys have heard or received that maybe you've applied? I could tell you like the gist of the advice. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes when you get advice of specific things like that, you don't remember exactly how it was worded. It's more like mm-hmm. meaning that you kind of think about. I, I feel know, like a lot of my advice kind of has always come down to money and people. So keeping good relationships and always sticking to your budget and not taking too many financial risks. It's funny. I think my parents have been preparing me to have my own business for a very long time because when I was in elementary school and I had my lemonade stands, my dad taught me about overhead and um, budget. Oh my god! And um, what it takes to buy your product and then how much you have to make to make money. So you have, and then he was teaching me about having your float. So having your cash and your change so that when customers come. So from a very young age at my lemonade stands, and sometimes we had uh, some freezies or some popsicles or cookies if the budget allowed it and if the overhead wasn't too high. Um, (laughs) So I think a lot of that business advice comes from my parents who are both or were both entrepreneurs in their own right and learning about keeping, keeping track of things, keeping, making sure that you are looking at the big picture. I think that's a really major Mm -hmm. one is you can get really stressed out and very caught up in looking at the small things in their little bubble and in the world. So, oh, I can spend this much on that. And, oh, if I get this many clients and, oh, if I do this and that and whatever. Um, if you've heard any tips or even if you've just figured it out on your own, how do you, yeah, kind of manage your days and... Well, you talked about how you were offered a lot of work, but you didn't really mention how you manage that. I think that important things are having like a plomp sheet. So writing down who it's for, what it's for, when you need to get it done by. And also doing batch work is really good for sewing. So instead of doing like sewing things one order at a time, having everything cut out, then everything sewn step one, step two, step three, and doing things in more of a um, assembly line style because you end up saving a lot of time at the end of the day. And the same thing goes for when you're packaging, like having all of your stuff out, packaging everything step by step instead of doing one at a time. I find that it saves a lot of time at the end of the day. Um, I feel like those are the most like key things that I stick to. There's nothing too crazy that I do. 
Uh, for me, I think a major thing that I do is in the morning, I will check my emails and see if there's any pressing things that need to be addressed that morning. And then I will either respond to those or I will flag them as um, <clears throat> go back to them later to look at them. And then I, this is very specific for my business, but this might be helpful to someone. When I am doing alterations and tailoring and whatnot, I have a, I have a clothing rack and I make sure that everything has its own hanger and I put them in order of the day that I got them. So I will put a, I will put a client information form on the garment, which the client has filled out when they come. So it has their name, their phone number, their email, their address, which can all be used for the, um, for invoicing at the end. So I have all that information to contact them. So those all get pinned onto the garment and put on the clothing rack in order of when I got them. I work my way through as best I can for big jobs like prom dresses and that type. I don't tend to sit down and get a whole garment or a whole job done at once. I'll kind of work on something, put it away, then grab out a different thing and work on it. And something we've already talked about before, but I think it would be interesting to speak on again. We talked about it in our one of our first episodes, our working from mm. home episode, the kind of work routine, because when you're your own boss, you kind of um, quarantine or not, you kind of um, are often working from home and you lose the... Um, the consistency kind of it sounds like like you guys said and the management so you've explained it before but maybe a, a brief rundown of how you move through your days and maintain your sanity well um like you report to yourself right like you're the one who mm -hmm. chooses how much gets done that day and when you get to take your breaks so what does your guys's routines look like to um Make sure you get everything done on time, but also well, like, enjoy yourself. To start off, there is no sanity in starting your own business. <laughs> it's so insane. The ups and downs are craziness and it gets wild. But um, I think Erica can talk to this more so. So I'm going to let her kind of take the take the helm on that. But... Yeah, I think that for me, when I do have a lot of orders, I like to work at it from 9 to 4. So at 9 in the morning, I, I start sewing or cutting or whatever is the first part for the day. I normally take my lunch break at around 12. And then by 3 p.m., whatever I have finished and ready to ship out, I package. So we've, we kind of talked about the best advice you received. Um, do you guys have... Any advice for someone who wants to do a similar thing? You guys kind of do pretty niche things, but speaking broadly to someone who wants to start something of their own. Usually we speak fashion, so it could be something like that. Or, um, yeah. 
I think the most important thing that I did was using my social media as an outreach point to find people to be interested in my business. Because if I didn't post it on my social media, I probably wouldn't have had the response that I did have. Everybody has to start somewhere. I agree. You can't manifest the idea forever, so just gotta get going. If someone was like, I want to start my own thing, but I don't know what or how, what would you tell them? Like, short, sweet? Find a mentor Mm -hmm. or someone that you look up to and follow their lead and learn from their mistakes. And that doesn't necessarily have to be somebody that you know personally or somebody that you have a meeting with every month or anything of that sort. It can be a larger business and you scroll back through on their blog posts, on their Facebook page or on their website or something or on Instagram and you see where they started from and where they are now and what they did, what changes they made, what their what their market was at the beginning and has that changed? Did they do a rebrand? What does their branding look like now? Or it could be someone that you make online friends with, which is a very valid thing to do in 2020 <laughs> is reaching out to small businesses and asking them questions. They may not necessarily mm-hmm. respond to questions that are very personal and might be secret within the company, but general questions about starting a business, most business owners are more than happy to answer and share. And being kind and thanking them and writing them and even updating them or asking them for updates on their business is a great way to foster not only a friendship, but a mentorship. (laughs) Kind of to validate Chloe's point, I think that almost everything I've learned about being a small business owner and everything that I put into practice, I have learned by working at other small businesses. Learning through experience is the best thing that you can do. My last question I wanted to end on is, um, whether it be an Instagram or a blog or a documentary or a podcast, do you guys have any resources that have helped you along this process or inspired you? Business Babes Collective is a f- is a phenomenal resource. Both Erica and I have gone to Business Babes panels and events and stuff, and they have women entrepreneurs who sell their wares and their products at the events, and then they also do panels and interviews with local with local entrepreneurs that are all women and it's really incredible you get super honest and real advice from mm-hmm. both the interviewer and the interviewee um we've been to multiple Vancouver business babes with Danielle and she is an incredible host for their panels and everything And they throw amazing events, very knowledgeable, very put together, and they have great resources online as well. They have a Action Takers Club, and it's a six-week business program where you work with other businesswomen that are starting their businesses or thinking of starting businesses, and 
it's very cool. You get one-on-one advice from Danielle and her team, and there's tons of great resources through that. A good place to start. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But do your digging. There's so many resources online these days. Thank you guys so much for listening this week. We hope you learned something or got to know, maybe not me so much, but (laughs) Chloe and Erica a little bit better and got to know kind of what they do when we're not recording the podcast. Um... Make sure to give us a five-star rating if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, and we'll catch you next Monday. And if you're interested in following either of our businesses, you can follow them on Instagram at Chloe Knowles Designs and at Erica Watson Erica Design. Watson Designs. May or may not have copied Chloe on that one, but it worked well, so... <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at where do we even start? And we'll catch you next Monday. Bye. Bye.